Welcome to Mock 10 Sports. Glad you could join us today for the December 23rd episode. We have some football today. SEC football. Bowl game, Gasparilla Bowl down in Tampa, Florida. We got Missouri, the Missouri Tigers playing Wake Forest Demon Deacons. This evening, we'll get into that preview in just a minute. We also had some SEC basketball this past week. We had early signing day, which has kind of taked a, um, been kind of the talk of the week, as it should be. A lot going on. Uh, then we also have some uh, updated bracketology we're going to talk about. And then finally, we're going to end the year with where I was right and where I was wrong for my 2022 predictions. Just a quick, two quick uh, predictions that I was right on going into the season and uh, wrong on heading into. So I'm going to go in-depth on that. But let's get into signing day just real quick. Signing day isn't what it used to be, in my opinion. It used to be your fan used to get real fired up because they felt like that those kids, the kids they were signing, were going to be a part of their team for three, four, five years. Uh, right, wrong, or indifferent, it's adapt or die, so that is not the situation anymore. But it's interesting to see how it's still kind of, the, the media has done a really good job of still covering it and making it as big of a deal as it is, but I think your just casual fan doesn't feel that way. And just this being my first year, out of college football, it's interesting just to see how everybody takes it. You're talking to some people, like, ah, I didn't really follow it as much as I used to. I think that's being taken away a little bit. The tradition of just following signing day, remember the first Wednesday in February, everybody would be so fired up that last weekend in January. People would be, man, where is my man? He's OV and uh, hearing through other sources, through rivals and stuff. Now, social media wasn't as big, but it is what it is now. Time is what it is. Uh, signing day, big deal, big deal in the SEC. Uh, it was just kind of reminiscent on just some memories of my without with being out of college football. I thought it'd be real interesting just to think back on uh, how times have changed, how roster management now is more of a year to year, more so than planning three or four years out. So moving into that, let's look at how some of the teams in the SEC did this year. Alabama signed uh, their highest class ever, the third highest class. Uh, ranking ever. Maria A&M last year is on the highest class ever. Alabama finished according to 247 Sports, number one in the country. Georgia coming in at two. Uh, then we got some future SEC teams. We got Texas coming in at three, Oklahoma at five, LSU at seven, Tennessee at nine, Florida at 12, Texas A&M 13, South Carolina with a good class coming in at 16, uh, Auburn, Hugh Freeze first year, kind of salvaged that class coming at 20. Arkansas, Sam Pittman and them coming at 21st. Mississippi State, 24th. Want to give Zach Arnett and that entire staff credit for kind of salvaging that class in a very uh, unique, uh, tragic situation there. But they did a good job there. Now, if we're just going to go right into the SEC standings, or SEC, or the rankings of the recruiting class. So Alabama, 28 total commits. So... Alabama, we're flipping to it right now. Caleb Downs, who I think will be no doubt a Jim Thorpe Award winner at some point. I say that. I mean, the Emmanuel Forbes, uh, Emmanuel Forbes from Mississippi State, wasn't even a finalist last year, and he probably should have won it because he won it in every or led in every category. Second, they got Keon Keeley, was committed to Notre Dame for a while, a kid from Berkeley Prep out of Tampa. They flipped Caden Proctor late from uh, Southwest Southeast Polk in Des Moines, Iowa. Uh, from Iowa, which is big. That doesn't happen a lot. Offensive linemen in the state of Iowa, that doesn't happen. Then they got the two, the two big ones from Carver Montgomery and James Smith and Quay Rousseau from Carver Montgomery. Alabama's had a lot of uh, success there with Mac Wilson before in the past. So, and then finally yesterday, they got Desmond Ricks, corner, uh, Eli Ricks' brother from IMG Academy, and then they got Justice Haynes, big-time running back, I think, could see some action next year. So, Bama's class, one of their best ever. They're not going anywhere. 
they took a lot of high school kids and i think they're going to kind of push back a little bit from the transfer portal but again transitioning right here to a perfect timing for how you build a foundation of a class the georgia bulldogs finishing second georgia doesn't take a lot of transfers and they don't have a lot of guys leave the program i think that's the difference between them and alabama right now and where it is built is on the interior of the line of scrimmage georgia has done that homegrown they haven't missed a lot on their evaluations and i think that's what separated them the last year uh between them and alabama and why i think georgia is a top program in the SEC right now, but they, they signed their top five guys, Damon Wilson, an edge uh, defender from Venice in Florida, A.J. Harris, corner from Central Phoenix City, Samuel Bimba from an edge defender from IMG Academy, uh, Janelle Aguero, safety from St. John's Prep in Massachusetts, and then Raylan Wilson, linebacker from Lincoln High School in Tallahassee, Florida. Uh, Good, another solid class for Kirby and them. I think that's been the difference. It'll be interesting to see how Alabama transitions to how many more portal kids they start taking. LSU signed 25 kids this year. Uh, they signed Zalance Hurd, an offensive tackle from Neville. Kid, he, and the kid stated he plans on coming in and starting and taking Will Campbell's job. It's a bold statement, but you like where he's coming from. Deshaun Warmack, Edge from St. Francis Academy in Baltimore. Shelton Sampson, Jr., wide receiver from Catholic High School. Javion Tavano from Martin High School. And then Jalen Brown from Gulliver Prep, wide receiver. Uh, LSU signed a really good class. Big first year. Exceeded expectations, obviously, on the field. That helped LSU sign the number three class in the SEC and number six overall. Uh, and then Tennessee, I think they did a really good job shoring up some issues in the secondary. Obviously, they needed that. Uh, but the big fame guys, Nicholas Amalavea from uh, Warren down in Downey, California. He's been talked about for a while. The big NIL deals, the millions of dollars that were talked about in the summer, it all started with Nicholas. Uh, Caleb Herring kept uh, Riverdale, edge defender. Uh, Nathan Leacock. Wide receiver Arian Carter, uh, Jordan Matthews from Woodlawn and Baton Rouge, big get corner for them. Also, Ricky Gibson for a corner from Hewitt Trustville, big six foot, long features, 171 pound kid. They did a good job. And then Christian Conyer, South Warren from Bowling Green, Kentucky, they did a good job shoring up some of their weakness on the back end. I'm sure they'll dabble in the portal a little bit. Uh, Florida coming in at fifth in the SEC. Solid recruiting class. Uh, for the Gators there, leading off with quarterback Jaden Rashada, flipping uh, Kelby Collins, defensive lineman, as we know, it starts in the trenches for uh, Billy Napier and them. Aiden Mizell, receiver from uh, Orlando, he's a legacy kid, both parents ran track and field. Um, to be a, he should be able to take the top off the defense. Interesting class for Florida. I, I'm sure they will go dabble a little bit in the portal. They signed 20 kids. A&M, they had one of the better classes in a long time, best ever last year. Uh, he They signed a solid class. Ruben Owens coming in at running back from El Campo in Texas. Chase Basantis, interior offensive lineman from Don Bosco Prep. Bravian Rogers, corner from LaGrange, Texas. Dalton Brooks from Shiner. Uh, athlete Javon Thomas, South Oak Cliff corner. And then TJ Shanahan, the Florida transplant, interior offensive lineman, transferred to Westlake High School last year from Orlando, Florida originally. Big signee for the Ags. South Carolina, I thought it did a really good job finishing seventh in the league. And then finally, Auburn. I just want to mention them real fast. They did a solid job finishing and recruiting, uh, especially coming in late. It's always a tough transition finishing up a class with a new head coach. Not a lot of relationships there. You're already behind the eight ball. But I thought Hugh Freeze did a good job. Hit him in staff. Just a couple of guys, a defensive lineman, Keldrick Falk, uh, Darren Reed from Carver, another defensive lineman. Uh, they flipped Kay and Lee. 
from Ohio State late, kid from Cedar Grove corner, Sylvester Smith from Mumford, another guy in the secondary. So I think they did a good job, Florida. I mean, sorry, Auburn doing a good job there. That kind of just finishes up the SEC. Remember, this was just the early signing period. We still got the other one coming in February, uh, and that would be February 1st. So we still got a while. We got after spring transfer portal. That you're not going to know your roster right now. So don't try to get used to it. There's still three more, about two more periods left. So you got the second signing period. You have after spring ball. Hell, after these, all these bowl games, you'll have another wave in some of these transfer portal kids. Um, like I said, signing day in February after spring ball. And then it'll be some in the summer. So we'll be it'll be interesting hearing all that. Um, see where everybody is from that standpoint. But just wanted to go over signing day, preview or review a little bit of what happened, uh, at least from the top teams in the SEC, as we head into the second signing period. Uh, but we, like I said, we had football tonight. We got Missouri versus Wake Forest, like I mentioned, the Gasparilla Bowl, Tampa, Florida. This is played at Raymond James Stadium, 5.30 p.m. Central Standard Time Zone kickoff. Missouri was a team that was 2-4, and four, dead, dead to right. I, I was calling them. They were dead to right. They kept fighting. Going into their bye week, they were 2-4. and four. They were a team that battled every week, and I was honestly expecting them to quit at some point in the season. They could have won a couple more games, Georgia, Auburn, but boy, was I wrong. Eli Dringowitz gets a contract extension, and the Tigers win their last game against Arkansas to get bowl eligible. Uh, the Demon Deacons are hoping to end their season, into the season woes with a big win tonight. Sam Hartman, their quarterback's looking to obviously win the game, one of the best quarterbacks, if not the best, in program history. He's looking to break Taj Boyd's ACC record for career touchdown passes. Missouri has a decent amount of the roster missing. Missouri receiver Dominic Lovett, who signed with it, he went to the portal, their leading receiver, signed with Georgia, so he'll be with Georgia next year. Interesting development. He got hurt in the Georgia game, and they may have won that game with him, and then he signs with Georgia. Interesting there. Safety, Martez Manuel, plus then defensive ends, Isaiah McGuire and DJ Coleman are all out in this game. Where this game will be won, Quick starts. I think whoever takes control of this game early and limits their overall turnovers will be the winner in this one. Missouri cannot come out, can't come out slow with their absences and get down 14, 21 points, 14, 21, nothing real, real quick. That would be a bad hole for them. This is your classic game. Who actually wants to be there more, in my opinion, your classic bowl game. Who wants to be there more? And with that being said, it leads me to this. I think Wake wants to send Sam Hartman out a winner. They don't have near as many opt-outs, transfer portal guys. These, Therefore, I think this goes back to my point, who has more to play for? I think Dave Clawson, Sam Hartman, all the rest of the Demon Deacons, fully aware of this. I think they send Wake, I think they will send Hartman out correctly. He'll get the record. Uh, like I said, these kind of bowl games specifically come down to motivation. I see a lot more for Wake Forest in this game. I think Wake Forest gets the 35-30 to 30 win. Betting line is currently Wake Forest minus 2.5. Give me the Demon Deacons on this one. But like I said, this is the classic. When you look back on that game, quick starts, who's going to come out fast, and who wants to be there more is where I think these kind of bowl games are separated. But I do think the SEC is going to drop to 0-2 after tonight. I just think Wake Forest, like I said, more motivation, better quarterback, uh, probably honestly better coach. I like Dave Clawson. I just like Wake Forest in this game. But transitioning from the football field to the hardwood, some SEC midweek recap, rough day for the league uh, last Tuesday, just rough day. Leading off, we got Texas A&M getting, losing 67-62 to Wofford. The Terriers getting the big win. That is a tough, tough, tough loss for the Ags. Those are games you just cannot afford to lose. 
Uh, I mean, they're sitting right now 113th in Kim Palm, 6-5. and five. I mean, The Aggies are essentially out of it already. This early in for conference play start, they would have to go on an un, uncharted path in conference play, win 11, 12 games. That's why you don't schedule soft non-conference opponents. And then you add in, you lose those games. It's not good for Buzz Williams and his uh, Texas A&M basketball team. You got Ole Miss taking the loss to North Alabama, 66-65 on Tuesday. It was North Alabama's first Power 5 win and first win over an SEC team. Obviously, they go hand-in-hand. Bad loss for the Rebs. They have no offensive uh, consistency. The only real player you like out there is Morrell, Matthew Morrell. Bad. Unfortunately, I think this kid, it's the end for Kermit Davis. I hate to say that, but I think that is the end for Kermit Davis. Mississippi State uh, dropping the game in Lincoln, 58-52 to the Drake Bulldogs. Their last game before they were going to get into conference play and play Alabama, open it up next week. Mississippi State currently 26 in the net rankings. Uh, they're they're fine, sitting 11-1. I do see them as an NCAA tournament team. I, you, if for the league's sake, you were hoping they were going to come in undefeated. Drake's a solid squad. Mississippi State didn't obviously schedule that hard non-conference. But I think if you'd have told them they were 11-1 going into conference play, they'd take that. But their first two conference games, Alabama at home and at Tennessee, will be tough. We'll see how Tennessee gets how Tennessee responds after getting hit in the mouth. they got about a week to sit on it. The only team getting the win for uh, the SEC on Saturday or on this past Tuesday was Alabama getting the 84-64 win over Jackson State. Uh, one of the more interesting things, Jackson State's head coach Mo Williams is an Alabama alum, came back. Uh, doing a pretty good job of that Jackson State team. The record won't show up, but they do uh, pretty talented. They fight. It's closer game than the twenty point game, uh, twenty point final. Wasn't real pretty. Alabama looked like they had a lot of illness on the team. They didn't know a clown. He was out. Looked like a lot of guys really didn't want to be there. A little lethargic. They're ready to get on Christmas break, get their feet off them. You tell Nate Oates kind of felt that way after watching the press conference. You just say, hey, let's get them away from each other. We don't need any. Say, we don't need a whole mass. Uh, spread of sickness going on before uh, we head into conference play. So I think it's a good break for Alabama after a very challenging non-conference slate. The Tide heads into conference play, sitting at eighth in the net rankings, only behind Tennessee in the SEC. But Alabama's sitting in fine shape, probably should be about a two-seed right now as we head into conference play. And then finally, Florida took the 62-53 loss to Oklahoma. Kind of felt like the league needed this. It was back and forth, good game. Not It wasn't really a nine-point game. Oklahoma's a solid team. It was in that Jumpman Classic in Charlotte that they also matched up with the North Carolina-Michigan game um, the next day. But I think uh, Florida first year for Todd Golden and his staff, I don't really, unless they get hot again, I don't see this being an NCAA tournament team. They currently sit 64th in net rankings. They're 7-5 overall. They would have to have a really good, again, I think 11-12 wins in the SEC. I don't see that happening. Everybody was kind of hot on Florida going into the year. I I, I like Mississippi State better. Uh, but, hey, still early, but I just don't see the Gators getting in right now. Moving to some of Wednesday's scores, we have Georgia hanging on, getting a win against UT Chat. Solid non-conference win. UT Chat's okay, but they, the SEC, we saw the day before, lost worst games. Tennessee just hammers Austin P by 42. Vols getting ready for conference play. Kentucky struggled early, still offensive inconsistencies, but get the 20-point win against Florida A&M. LSU getting the win, hanging on against East Tennessee State. LSU's kind of done that a couple of times this year against what Kansas uh, against the Can- the Kansas City team. They played to open up the season. LSU's kind of hung on a little bit. Solid record. Uh, they come into the net right now at. Hold on, let me pull it up for you right now. 
they come in at 82nd, so 11 and 1, 82nd, very high in the net rankings for an 11 and 1 team. LSU again, I think it's gonna have to have double-digit conference wins to get in. Uh, but hey, wins a win, they held on 11 and 1 going to conference play in Matt McMahon's first year. They gotta feel pretty good about that. Uh, Arkansas getting the 85-51 win over UNC Asheville, and then finally Auburn getting the much-needed win for themselves, 84-61 win on the road in Seattle against Washington. They dropped obviously their first game of their West Coast road trip to USC. Uh, SEC not just their first win against the Pac-12 finally, but uh, Auburn, they really, really needed that win. That would have been a bad loss, go 0-2 on your West Coast trip against two pretty average Pac-12 teams. Auburn's still sitting fine, though, 10-2, 28th net rankings. Non-conference schedule wasn't overly strong. If I could guess right now, Auburn's probably an 8 or 9 seed going into the tournament. Moving to Thursday's actions, action yesterday, we got a couple of games. You had Vandy getting the eight-point win over Alabama A&M. Solid win for Vandy as they head into co- conference play. Uh, South Carolina eking out the seven-point win, 65-58 over Western Kentucky. They needed that. And then uh, Missouri, probably the biggest winner of the week, getting the just crushing Illinois, the rival, 93-71 in St. Louis last night. Big win for uh, Coach Gates and his Missouri squad as they head into conference play. They'll open up with Kentucky at home. They're sitting 41 in the net rankings. They climbed 25 spots over last night. They were 65th last night. They are now 41, uh, 11-1 heading into conference play. Big one against Kentucky. It was a big game, big win for Dennis Gates and his team. They were not expected to even win that. They didn't even really look like an upset. They crushed the, they crushed the line. They were up. They were up 30 at one point. That's a big win. No one will think about it from a standpoint. That's a big win overall for the conference. Someone in that middle part of the league needed a win there, and uh, they got it done. So congrats to Dennis Dennis Gates, his Missouri Tiger team. But, hey, they got the Kentucky Wildcats coming next Wednesday. So that will be an interesting development in itself. Let's check out Joe Lenardi's bracketology he came out with on Monday. This was as a Monday. Give you an exact date here. Monday was the 19th, so this is when he came out with it. Or sorry, I think he came out with the 20th. Yep, that Tuesday. He came out with it the 20th, uh, two, three days ago. But the SEC team's in it. The next four out, he's got LSU. We just talked about them. I think it's going to be a tough hill to climb when a conference play starts. I don't think LSU's going to make the tournament. Uh, he's got Tennessee coming in as the number two seed. Alabama coming in as the number two seed. Arkansas coming in as the number four seed. Kentucky, number five seed. Mississippi State, a number six seed. And Auburn, a number eight seed. I do think the SEC right now probably gets 16, six teams in right now. I don't see seven, eight, nine. I don't know where that would come from. Where I mean, who... Who would who would be those two? Who would be those teams that would? I mean, where would that come from? I, I just don't see another team really stepping up, right? I mean, Ole Miss had a chance, but they're done. A uh, and M, I think they're done. LSU, maybe if they got hot in conference play, but the non-com was so poor, and their net rankings just not great right now. I don't think they can climb out of that hole. But um, I mean, I'm thinking. Yeah, I, mean, I just don't see anybody. I think the SEC is sitting at a solid six, where I think the only way they could go is down is if Mississippi State and Auburn kind of started faltering. But I, I just don't see seven or eight. I thought it would be seven and eight going into the season. I don't see that anymore. Unless LSU is really the league's hope. Missouri, I said Missouri 11-1. and one. Missouri could get into it. They moved up big time with the big win against Illinois last night. Missouri could get it. So I think the two sitting there in limbo or Missouri-LSU, I think the other ones between Alabama, Arkansas, Tennessee – Kentucky, uh, Auburn, and Mississippi State are for sure in right now. But with both Auburn and Mississippi State kind of tinkering, depending on what conference play looks like, the only three teams, probably four, you would say, are for sure in the tournament. 
right now, I would say three for sure. Alabama, Tennessee, Arkansas, and you could probably throw Kentucky in that. After that, I, I don't think anybody else is a for sure win right now. I mean, Kentucky's, it was Kentucky's net ranking right now. Pull it up right here. Kentucky's 29th. I mean, they start, they're eight and three. They start taking some poor conference losses. That would not be good. But no, I think for sure the three, like I mentioned, are locked in and then probably add Kentucky into there is the for sure locks for the NCAA tournament for the SEC as we head into conference play. Now, transitioning a little bit, where I was wrong and where I was right for the 2022 just calendar years. We started this podcast, and we appreciate you joining us uh, and taking your time to listen to this podcast whenever you do during the, throughout the week. Uh, but I'm, I'm going to acknowledge where I was wrong, where I was right. That's what you can always say about me. I will admit when I'm wrong, and I will admit where I'm right. But let's start off where I was wrong. I had Texas a and finishing second in the West. They finished five and seven, never could get things going. Honestly, in the back of my head, I really didn't like the prediction. Um, did my homework. I just I didn't like anybody else out of the West more so, and I really liked AM. I didn't think Arkansas was gonna be able to do it. And I was kind of right. I picked them third. Thought they'd go nine and three. Injuries prevented that. But AM just could never get it going. Injuries, uh, offensive, just creativity. Obviously, injuries at the most important position in all sports at quarterback. At the end of the year, they're playing a freshman kind of wigman. It's just, it was just a bad mix-up for an A&M team. Jimbo's going on the season next year, going in the 23 season on, on the hot seat. He has to have a big season next year. Second where I was wrong, Alabama winning the SEC West, but I think I joined a big boat of people who had that. Uh, I'd have been baffled if you told me someone besides Alabama did not win the West last year. Uh, I Sorry, this, past, or this year. Um, Alabama went in the West. I was completely wrong on that. I'll own that. I don't really care about that one because everyone had that. Uh, still think Alabama's the best team in the West. Just didn't get it done in a crucial situation in Baton Rouge. Where I was right, Georgia going undefeated in the regular season. Now, the difficulty of schedule here was why I lean this way. Georgia showed up in its two biggest games this year and just dismantled opponents, Oregon and Tennessee. Slept walk a little bit in the SEC Championship game against LSU. But a lot of people didn't even have Georgia in, the SEC in their playoffs because I think they just assumed they'd take a drop off or you heard, well, after Alabama won their first one in 2010, they lost three games. Yeah, the difference was Alabama had a lot harder schedule. Like, Georgia went undefeated, handled business in their biggest games. I appreciate that, but I thought Georgia for sure would go undefeated in, at least in their 12-0, at least start 12-0. That was pretty no-brainer layup to me. Pride myself for that one. And then finally, Ole Miss fading at season's end. A lot of people had Ole Miss winning 9, 10 games, 8, 9, 10 games. I had Ole Miss starting 7-0. and Feeling good about themselves, but I also had them losing their last five. They ended up losing four out of the last five, so I'm going to give myself credit on this one. Front half of the schedule was great, but they didn't really play anybody. What was their best win? Kentucky? Troy? I mean, that was their best wins of the season. I mean, Rebs lost four of their last five with their only win coming on the road against the team that finished last place in the West. Now, on paper, they're not, but hell, record, your record is what, I mean, you are what your record says you are. Aiden finished last in the West. That was Ole Miss's only win in their last five games. So I'm going to give myself credit on that. Ole Miss started hot, front end of the schedule was easy, faded late. Thought it would have a little bit to do with just some distractions of bringing in a lot of transfer portal kids. How would everybody connect when things got rough? Their head coach, Lane Kiffin, didn't help any of that with a lot of the distraction with the Auburn stuff going into the Egg Bowl week and the weeks before that. But that's just wanted to acknowledge where I was right for 2022, where I was wrong. Like I said, where I was wrong. Texas A&M finished second in the West, winning 10 games completely off on that. I thought Alabama would win the West, like a lot of people. Still think they are the best team in the West. Not too upset about that. Where I was right, Georgia going undefeated. Saw that coming a mile away in Ole Miss fading at season's end. Bold prediction to make them to have them finishing or losing their last five. But heck, 
They almost did it. The, old, the A&M game came down to the wire as well. But that, that this will be our, uh, we'll have a lot, we'll have two more episodes before we head into checking the calendar real fast for you. Yeah, we'll, we'll have two more episodes before we head into the new year. Just wanted to get that off. I appreciate you joining us for this segment right before Christmas. I hope everybody travels safe. Hey, stay warm out there with this Arctic blast coming. Hope you and your family have a Merry Christmas. And I appreciate you joining us for this episode. Keep following us on Mach 10 Sports for the best information on SEC sports.